my hands for too much. Good morning, everybody. Isn't this a great time of year? It's a season when we remember that wee baby Jesus born in a stable in Bethlehem. We see uh, Joseph and Mary looking in wonder at the radiant newborn. Meanwhile, they're surrounded by animals but don't have a clue of the magnitude of what has just transpired. God coming in the flesh and dwelling among us. Wow. Meanwhile, outside the stable, there's a star shining brightly, which draws the attention of local shepherds and foreign wise men who come to see what, what is this all about? So I'm still moved by this story of how our Savior came into this big, complex world and into so many of our lives. Put this down just a tad. So this scene not only has historic value, but it has meaning on many levels, I find. And being in the field of developmental psychology, I always think of the psychological, as you know, parts of the story. So in this, I see a picture of the various stages of psychological development. Mary and Joseph being the mature adults who have their eyes on Jesus. That is the most mature part of us, the part that is fixated on Jesus. Meanwhile, there are animals whose attention's wandering, and there's straw, and there's wood. These are all stages of development. So, when misinformation takes over a culture, which I find in our nation, truth often recedes into story, which is one of the reasons I feel this story is passed down, to keep that information going. So, one of the things I find that's missing in our culture, more and more people are believing that men are only men and women are only women. Men are only masculine, women are only feminine, when we all have a man and woman inside us, as represented in the story, Joseph and Mary, okay? So what happens, we were talking Wednesday night about the occult. When the cult takes over a culture, it feeds us in misinformation and tells men they're only masculine, women they're only feminine, what happens is people start going around on one foot. They don't have the stability of both sides of their personality, both sides of their psychology. So when we're standing on one foot, we're easy to knock over, right? So what happens with this is a woman, for example, standing only in her femininity will have a hard time walking into the world with that savvy strength that males have. Whereas a man who's standing only in his masculinity will have trouble knowing who to trust, not having that feminine intuition. And so he gets into a lot of trouble. So, contrast this with Jesus, who has both feet firmly planted, equally masculine and feminine in his nature, 
perfecting them both. But all this, this setting of Jesus in the manger, is just part of the story, although it's a very idyllic part. There's another part of the story, isn't it? As far as King Herod hearing about Jesus from the Magi, he wants to kill him. Competition, he hears he's going to be king of the Jews. He's going to shepherd his people Israel. He doesn't want that. So Joseph and Mary had to take Jesus to Egypt to escape, and they saved Jesus' life. But think of all those little boys slaughtered in Bethlehem under Herod's decree. Horrible. So that's part of the story, too. And I bring this up because I find most people are surprised at the difficulty of the Christian walk. Following Christ is not easy. When we invite Christ to come into our life, we can acquire some rather serious enemies. Ourselves, for example. And others who want us to serve them rather than him. So what happens is, well, securing this Christ child in us can have us moving to places we've never been before. And this is the important thing to know about the Christian walk. It requires movement, right? Walking, thinking, walking, moving. Not just physically, but emotionally moving, mentally moving. Ideally, so we're moving in a way that grows Christ in ourselves and one another. We don't feed ego. We feed Jesus inside us. And how we do this is, of course, communing with God each day and following his commands. So what else happened to the historical Jesus? Well, he was tempted, right? We all know about temptation, right? And the good thing about temptation is we get to know the difference between ourselves, who's fallen many, 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 many times, and him who never has. So in dealing with all these temptations, we learn to separate some of our attachment from ourselves, our loyalty to our old self. And we get closer to Jesus, who is worthy of that loyalty and attachment. So Jesus really had many traumas. Like, for example, think about... What happened to John the Baptist, his close friend and cousin? He was arrested, and then he was beheaded. Ooh. Think of all the people that came to Jesus. He, they just wanted what he had. They didn't care about him. They just wanted to use him for their purposes. And then there were those betrayals, right? One gave Jesus' whereabouts for a couple of handfuls of silver. And the other one denied him three times. Ouch. And of course, if we're talking trauma, we have to think about the atonement. Taking on the sins of the world. You know, I have trouble with my own. He took on the sins of the world. Can't imagine what that must have been like. 
Well, what does Jesus have to say about all these traumas? In Matthew 10, 16 to 19, and 21 to 22, he says, Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be as wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in the synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father to his child. And children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Wow, sounds like today, doesn't it? But that last part's certainly good news. So as we deal with the many traumas of living in this world, we move closer to the one who's wholly capable of enduring these traumas. So Jesus went through a lot, being hunted, being tempted, experiencing loss, ill use, betrayal, atonement, and then what? Crucifixion. How did that happen? I mean, he must have done something wrong, right? I mean, we all know our lives are about staying alive, healthy, wealthy, if, if we can. He must have done something wrong, right? No. No, indeed. We all have a much bigger purpose than this. In my opinion, Jesus' destiny was to lay down his perfect life, to move us to lay down our far less than perfect lives. He showed us the way. Just as each of our lives is to show the way to one another in some unique manner. Jesus also showed us we needn't be afraid of death. When almighty God is capable of giving us new life. If we're willing so, in this season of giving, I encourage you to give yourself the truth about your life, which includes many devastating traumas. You've been hunted by those wishing to harm you. You've been tempted to serve ego instead of Jesus. And you've fallen many times. We all do learning to walk as Christians with both feet on the ground. You've experienced great loss, such as the loss of your true identity in God. You've been used for egoic purposes, and you've been betrayed by those who claim to love you. I know this because all these things happen to Jesus and his life is your real life. I also encourage you to give the most precious gift you can to one another this Christmas season. Christ in you. He's the only one capable of embracing 
all the traumas in your life story and enduring to the bitter end. Rather than thinking of what people might like for a present, why not feed Christ in them? Pray about how to do this so that he may grow to become more and more of their lives. Because the more we give Christ to one another and feed Christ in one another, the body of Christ grows. It expands across the planet. And in the process, more and more of us will have a taste of Jesus' life. Not just communing with God each day and hearing his voice and guidance and his love, but also at times feeling hunted and tempted, experiencing loss, ill use, betrayal, a need for atonement, and perhaps even experiencing death in some form. But if these traumas move us to humbly lay down are far from perfect lives. In exchange for that of God's...